0: Hey, everybody, welcome to the Asian Commercial Real Estate Network podcast. Thank you for joining us each and every week as we interview and meet and learn from various Asian commercial real estate professionals around the world. You're joining us on episode 10 here on August 19th. And today we have a very exciting guest, somebody that Karina and I both know personally. And so to introduce our guest, would like to welcome Karina.
1: Thank you, Jerry. Thanks, everybody, for listening in. Today, we have my friend Huber. And Huber is on the board of Filipinos and Institutional Real Estate with me, as well as a fellow Trojan, along with me and Jerry. And I'll let Huber, who is a capital markets advisor for the commercial real estate industry, introduce himself. Huber, take it away.
2: Perfect, Jerry. Karina, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the time today. Uh, For everyone out there, my name is Huber Bonglin. I am a capital markets advisor for StackSource. We are your traditional capital markets brokerage with additional tool in our toolbox of technology. So really what a capital market advisor is, it's a fancier term for a debt and equity broker, which is a fancy term for I help real estate developers and investors find money for their projects.
0: You've had a quite amazing career in real estate through different industries and different things. You've actually also have education in particular to real estate development in the form of your MRED and your MBA degrees. Um, share with us how you got started in real estate.
2: Sure, so I started off in real estate. I graduated from DC Irvine with a double major in business economics and international studies. And throughout my time there, my father and my uncles, we always sat around the round table talking about residential real estate. They were passive investors in one to four unit family residences. So that always sparked my interest growing up. And while I was in college, which was 2007, 2010, um, I wanted to buy my own home. But at that time, uh, I was working part time at State Farm Insurance while going to school. My father told me, hey, I did it on my own, you can do it on your own, go figure it out. He did not tell me that there was a great recession going on around me. So you can imagine a kid trying to call around, trying to figure out how to put together his first real estate deal. Uh, It did not work out. It was more of a dream deferred. So once I entered the working world full time, that's when I really started. And for me, it's always been, I wanna go to a firm where I'm gonna learn something, where I can learn something that I can put into practice myself. And for me, I started out in the residential space I really wanted to learn everything that it took in order to buy a single family home. Uh, Just because I saw my parents do it, I saw my uncles do it, and they kind of just threw me in the deep end and said, go figure it out. So I joined a firm, a boutique firm in Newport Beach, California, called Home Loan Enterprise. Uh, Worked there for about four years. Uh, Loved it there, bought my first investment property in Houston, Texas. And after learning everything that I could, after putting it into practice, I decided, what's the next challenge? What's the next frontier? And for that, it was business school. So I used MBA as well as the MRED at USC in order to help me pivot into the commercial side. Uh, For any real estate investors and professionals out there, transitioning from the residential to the commercial is kind of hard, much easier said than done. But uh, as I always say, the, the, the real estate industry, commercial real estate and residential, we all play in the same playground, but in very, very separate sandboxes, very different worlds. So making that transition, USC helped me do that and they gained me the network the Trojan Network, the famed, the notorious, the infamous Trojan Network uh, in order to help me do that. So upon graduation, it was very important to me to learn as much as I could. So I leveraged the Trojan Network in order to help me gain the connections into a capital markets firm that specialized in debt inequity for commercial real estate. That was George Smith Partners. I worked under the founder there, trying to learn as much as I could from him over the next three years. Um, and after that, after about three years there, it was time for me to move on. Uh, There was a firm out of New York called Stacksource that really gained my attention. The way that they viewed the market had an eye for technology, had an eye for the future. And for me, being a young millennial, obviously tech is huge right now. And that's how you combining real estate, combining commercial real estate, combining it with technology. uh, It was just a very, very interesting proposition. So I joined Stacksource about a year and a half ago. I am their director of capital markets which is a fancy term (laughs) for, uh, I uh, play two roles at our firm. Uh, I help advise my clients and help them get the financing for their real estate deals. But at the same time, I'm also the face to all of our lending relationships. Uh, I need to make sure that I understand what's going on, who's a good lender, who's a bad lender, um, how are they changing because of COVID and what types of deals we should be sending them. So that way my team of capital advisors uh, have the best tools in their toolbox to make sure that they can provide the best service. their clients. So that's what I'm doing currently.
1: Thanks, Huber. Sounds like you found a really cool, interesting company that really matches, like you said, the millennial kind of energy that you have with the technology mixed with commercial real estate. Um, You mentioned in your response COVID. I'm interested to hear what are you seeing right now in the market given COVID, the pandemic, how has things changed in the lending world and how is that affecting a lot of the investors that you work with?
2: Absolutely. So COVID is to start is a terrible, Terrible thing. However, for our industry, the fact that we are a digital capital markets broker, that we're totally online, there's been a huge push and a huge boon for us um, in terms of the amount of traffic and the amount of interest, people finding us organically online and interested. Um, So for us, we've been growing already and due to COVID we're growing even more so exponentially. I hate to use that word, it's very scary, but it's definitely been true over the last couple of months. In terms of the capital markets industry, um there are a lot of changes going on to completely different landscape from about 6 months ago and that's why having a capital advisor having someone that really knows the market that's in these waters day in day out uh, can help people get the best financing for their projects so really to be specific loan to costs are down so leverages are down loan to costs and loan to values if lenders were very eager to put out 80% loan to value loans uh prior to covid They've ratchet that back by about 5% across the board for both loan to cost if you're doing a bridge loan or a construction Or loan to value if you have a more stabilized perm property You can expect that lenders that were once doing 80% are at 75 and also if they're at 75 they're at 70 The two product types that are still the darlings of the market are multifamily and industrial although they every single product type has faced its headwinds Uh, You can imagine that hotels have uh, really gone by the wayside. It's rare for me. I actually have never seen, not come across a lender yet saying that they're bullish on hotels. What I have seen is lenders saying that if the story makes sense, if it's a flagged hotel, and we have really great demand drivers for the area, they'd be interested. Uh, There's a lot more. Interest rates are definitely up from before. Uh, So people kind of view that interestingly. They're like, wait a minute, I'm I'm hearing in the Fed I'm hearing in the news that the feds lowering interest rates. Everything's at all time lows. That is definitely true for one to four unit family residences Uh, for commercial real estate. Like I said we play in a different sandbox. So it's all about risk mitigation. So when the risks are up when the future is uncertain you can imagine that rates or excuse me lenders want to be compensated for that risk. So rates are typically up across the board. Uh, for perm financing, it's usually up around 25 to 50 basis points. Uh, for bridge construction, floating rate debt, it's usually up around 50 to 100 basis points from what they were pre-COVID. Uh, I'll pause there. There's, there's a lot more, uh, and I, I blog about this, but uh, I'll pause there to give myself a breath. <laughs>
1: Thanks for that detailed, um, response. I guess my follow up question to that is if we have listeners who want to invest in commercial real estate, you know, given COVID, there are some opportunities in the marketplace. You know, what are some of the advice is your advice to kind of wait and kind of see where the market goes in terms of those interest rates rising or kind of what's your advice on some of our listeners who might want to invest during this time and look for opportunities?
2: Sure. So first, it's so hard to make one blanket statement for the entire macroeconomic situation that's going on. There's no way that I would advise clients or anyone saying don't move, don't press the button because of X that's going on, because there's just so many variables to consider, right? Uh, Every deal, and this is so true in the commercial side, uh, you'll always hear lenders, investors, uh, anyone in our, our side say it's case by case, it's deal by deal, right? And that's very true. You may come across an off-market deal. I'm going up to San Francisco today to go see a deal that's off-market, um, where it's an amazing deal. Uh, however, for the most part, it's a very tough time to be a buyer. The reason why is because sellers are still demanding prices that were pre-COVID levels. Obviously now with a future more uncertain, with tenants' inability to pay rent, buyers are coming in looking for distressed properties. They're also looking for distressed prices. So now you have a mismatch. You have a mismatch between sellers that are expecting pricing that's pre-COVID levels and you have buyers that are coming in expecting distressed pricing. So you'll see in the news that investment sales across the board are down. Uh, Obviously there's gonna be pockets where that's untrue. There might be specific areas of the nation, specific areas geographically that are experiencing upticks. But for the most part, you're gonna see that investment sales are way down across the board. And that's because of that difference in expectation by both sides of the coin, the buyers and the sellers. Now at some point there's gonna be a come to Jesus moment, a push come to shove, where sellers are gonna realize, oh shoot, I need to sell this property because I can't service my debt. Or if I, they're gonna to try to work it out. So as of right now, hotel and retailers are taking the biggest hits. They are trying their hardest to work out loans that are underwater. At some point there's gonna be a flood of just not being able to do that. And that's why a lot of equity players are chomping at the bit to, uh, Uh, have a lot of cash on the sidelines, a big war chest for those distressed distressed opportunities when they do arise. We're just not seeing them yet on a macro scale. There's probably micro areas where there are distressed sales going on, but not on a macro scale to make the news.
0: Thanks for that. I think it's evident to us and to those listening, you are one of the most informed and best educated people within all things real estate, um, as you oh, shared you. with us earlier. No, it's it's true. And as you mentioned earlier, you took not addition, in addition to learning on your own, you took a a traditional method and got formal education within real estate. Um, and real estate is one of these fields where some will argue that it's all experience and what you do and right. others will argue for traditional education. What have you found most valuable in your own educational journey and what do you recommend to those out there, whether they're in college still or considering a new career later in their life to get best educated about the things that you feel so passionate about? Sure,
2: so to answer your first question on how I view education in terms of real estate, uh, for me, it's, it's, it's been something that's ingrained in me since I was a child. Having an Asian household, education is key. Uh, that was always the way that we unlocked ourselves or how it was always taught to me, that I unlock my potential. So, for me, a higher education, getting an MBA, getting a graduate degree was no question. Uh, it wasn't even something that my parents forced upon me. It was something I don't know, I don't know what happened, but uh, I guess in the conversation, I just knew, and when I talked to people that had graduate level degrees, I just liked the way they talked when I was younger. They were just so focused, and the way they spoke, I'm like, this is this is, if I want to be like this person, what do they do? right so i'd follow them and i'd learn oh they have higher education when it comes to real estate specifically uh for me it's been tremendous uh because it really changes the way that you view the world uh view what's going on right by learning from experts people that study it by having professors uh that have gone on to be to do do great great things and really using the cliche like standing on shoulders of giants because they because the higher education gave me access to their brain the way they think It molds you, right? You have like 10, 15 different professors. You watch them, you study them, you learn the way that they think, you pick apart what you like, you grab that and then it becomes your own. You become a sponge. So for me, education is wildly important. Uh, Advice that I would give to to young people is education is not enough, right? You can't just be book smart in this game. You gotta be book smart and street smart. You gotta couple the education, the books with practical knowledge, boots on the ground. You gotta be in the waters. You gotta be talking to people, seeing what they're going through. And for me, I've always tried hard to marry those two perspectives.
1: Thank you for that, Huber. Um, Let's touch upon your upbringing as a uh, Filipino-American, you know, born to immigrant parents. You know, a lot of our listeners are from similar backgrounds. Jerry and I often talk about, you know, how that affects, you know, some people and their ability to take risk, their ability to be bold. It sounds like you're the type of person that is not afraid. You know, you're very courageous. Um, you go out there and you and and you have a goal and you go after it. What are some of a, some advice that you could share with our listeners or younger listeners going into commercial real estate, looking to venture into this uh, scary world and cutthroat business? Um, what are some of the books you've read, advice that you've taken, you know, personal coaching that you possibly had to kind of push you to 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 be the brave, courageous you know guy that you are?
2: Wow. Cre, uh, thank you. That's a great question. So, to start with my parents, uh, hopefully they're listening or maybe hoping they're not listening. I'm not sure how they'll take this, but at some point you need to learn to stand on your own two feet, right? Uh, I don't know how it is for other households, but specifically in mine, it's like my parents love us to death. I love their children to death and they're going to support us no matter what, but they also want to protect us. But unfortunately that shroud of protection really inhibits you from taking these educated risks or taking these risk-adjusted moves in your lives right because they want you to take the safer route they want you to be doctors or lawyers or engineers right or go into nursing and follow them or go into a very very salesy position that has commands a high salary for some some way Um, but Unfortunately, at some point in your life, you have to determine for yourself, like, hey, it's time for me to make these moves. Like, I can make these decisions on my own. So, I will say specifically when I decided to join a startup. Right, StackSource is definitely a startup. To go from a more traditional capital markets brokerage shop to going to a startup, uh, they did not like that. <laughs> they uh, they warned against it. Uh, huge risk, right? Potentially high reward, which I'm hoping for. Uh, but they did not like that career path trajectory for me. Uh, but it was a risk that that I had to take in order to really blossom and bloom and, and, and try to go for it, yes, in the sense. In regards to my favorite book, and you talked about coaching as well, so I'll go into my favorite book. Uh, advice for young people before I go into that is that it is not a linear uh, career path. I used to think that. I used to think that if I did X, I would get Y. If I got the schooling, it would lead to this much higher of a, of a base pay. If, if I did this, it would. It, I always thought life was linear for me until 2019, which yes, was last year. And it hit me in the face, especially joining a startup, right? You go from a very structured environment to an unstructured environment. And for me, the ego got in the way. Uh, I did not prep for it correctly. I jumped into the deep end, not knowing how to swim. And 2019 was a big smack in the face on what I am capable of and what I'm not capable of. Everything just always worked out for me prior to that. I've always been able, I've always thought like, oh, I'm smart enough to figure everything out on my own. Uh, I could figure this, I could figure this out. So in 2019, I realized I couldn't figure this out. Uh, And two things happened to me that really turned it around. One, I got a career coach, uh, someone that, and really to step, take a step back, it's I realized I need to ask for help because I couldn't figure it out on my own. So Career Coach was one that uh, really turned it around for me, helped me focus uh, my energies instead of being all over the place, which is very typical of a startup culture. Uh, she focused my energies and she focused this fire into specific directions that have helped me uh, really turn it around over the last six months. And a book that she introduced me to, which changed my life was Ego is the Enemy by Ryan Holiday. Uh, it's not a real estate book at all. And you can tell from the title, it has to do about controlling that ego within you. And uh, that's a book that I listened to and probably read on Audible or listened to Audible about three times now.
0: I think you speak on great words of advice, uh, humility, asking for help, formal, informal education, and perhaps most resonant with our Asian American audience, Asian audience is love your parents, but don't let them control your career. Um, I think that's something that we can all resonate with. Uh, Huber, thank you so much for joining us today. You can connect with Huber in our group on Facebook. He has shared with us his blog posts that he has written. And so they're very informational, very engaging. Um, Also connect with him on LinkedIn. You can look him up. We'll put the link in the show notes. Or his username is HuberJR, H-U-B-E-R-J-R. Really easy to find. I think Karina and I can both attest that he is one of the most personable, giving, and energetic and outgoing folks that we know in the industry. So if you do want to learn more about what he's doing, perhaps it is uh, in the context of capital markets or startups or going back to school to get your MBA or MRAD. Um, Hubert, thanks so much for making time for us, man.
2: Jerry, Karina, I appreciate it. I'm humbled and honored to be a part of your show. And thank you so much for making the time.
1: Ditto everything Jerry said. Hubert, thanks so much for your honesty, for your time and your advice. We really appreciate it. Have a great day, everybody.
0: Thanks, everybody. If you haven't yet, be sure to join us on our Facebook group. Just search Agency CRE Network. If you haven't subscribed to this podcast, we're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Please be sure to subscribe, follow us on Instagram at Agency RE Network, and we'll see you next week for episode 11. Thanks, everybody.